Another great week of Big 12 basketball. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's uh, great to be with you as always and be joined as we are each and every time this week by our friend Matthew Postens, our lead basketball writer at heartlandcollegesports.com. Matthew, we had another uh, great week of hoops. This conference is as unpredictable as any. So I guess I would start with this. Which upset this week shocked you the most? Oh, gosh. Um, I was a little bit surprised at how Oklahoma took care of Kansas State. I mean, they were – the Sooners were obviously a very desperate team going into that game, and it was at home, so they were in in a more comfortable environment. But, you know, I feel like Kansas State's a more talented team than Oklahoma, and they just they, – they handled the Wildcats, you know, pretty much the whole game. Uh, they got they got the kind of offense they've been needing to get all season from three or four different guys in that game. And it just shows you that when, when Oklahoma's clicking offensively, they can be a really dangerous team to deal with. Um, they obviously have not given up on the season, and certainly Kansas State hasn't either. But, you know, we talked last week about Kansas State kind of being in that – that valley that Iowa State was in around this time last season, and it, it seems like they're they're having difficulty, you know, climbing out of it. And they've got a few weeks to kind of kind of get right before the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I think it starts with with them, as we said last week, them cutting down on the turnovers, and they did a better job of that against Oklahoma. I think they only had 15 in that game, but uh, they've they've got to pair cutting down the turnovers with getting their offense going again. I mean. Noel and, and Johnson are both playing okay, but they're obviously not playing at the level they were playing at three or four weeks ago. No, they're not. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, and it's eerily similar to me how Kansas State has trended similarly to Iowa State from last season. It's kind of weird how that happened. Now, if you're being optimistic here, uh, Oklahoma and Texas Tech both getting big wins this week, Tech over Texas, Oklahoma over K-State. Can you envision a scenario where either, or I guess both of these teams, end up in the NCAA tournament, or is that just too much of a long shot right now? You know, it's interesting. I've been thinking about Tech because I think they have a slightly better resume, at least right now, than Oklahoma does. So Tech's three and ten going into the weekend. They're fourteen and twelve overall. They've got five conference games left. The whole math all along has been about if you've got seven seven conference wins, you've probably got a pretty good shot of getting in. I'm not sure why the conference victory thing is so important, but historically speaking, Big 12 teams that have won at least seven conference games and have at least you know 20 wins have gotten in. Those below that have not. So Tech probably needs to win four conference games in their next five to get to seven wins. Let's say they win three out of five. And I think that's actually potentially realistic because of the way that they played on Monday night. That would get them to 17 wins overall. They'd still have to play a first-round game in the Big 12 tournament, but that might actually be good for them. Let's just say they win three games in Kansas City and, and do a Cinderella job all the way to the Big 12 championship game. Well, then they've got 20 wins, and they've got, at that point, probably two or three more wins over top 25 teams, two or three more quad one wins in NCAA net. And then their resume becomes really interesting to me from an NCAA tournament perspective because they'll have 20 wins. They'll have the rest of the conference kind of pulling them up a little bit from a, a, an analytic perspective. And they might, you know, and one of the things the tournament does look at, 
they look at teams that are trending up. And if Tech looks like they're trending up and they've got 20 wins after the Big 12 tournament, that could make them a very enticing 10 or 11 seed. Yeah, and the Big 12 tournament is such an opportunity for both of these teams. They're probably going to play on that Wednesday night when the bottom four seeds end up playing. But if they win Wednesday and then they pull off a stunner on Thursday in the quarterfinals, they're in. Like, I I think that that's the path if they can – even if – I don't know, Matthew, if Tech can get to 6-12 and in league play and then pull off uh, two wins of the Big 12 tournament without knowing what the West of the country looks like, uh, that's a darn good resume because that would add at least another couple of quad one wins uh, to that resume. Yeah, that would give them 19 wins. Uh, I don't know how many quad one wins that would give them, but remember with it being a neutral site game, those quad one games are teams that are ranked in the top 50 in net, and since most of the teams in this conference are ranked in the top 50, and those are the teams that Tech would play in the second round of the tournament, yeah, it would give them another quad one or another quad two win in that respect. I think 20 is a good round number, but you know, there's, there is so much parity across college basketball this year, not just in the big 12, but across the entire country that you're going to see some at large power five teams, maybe get in with 18 or 19 overall wins. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about, you know, how many wins does tech have going into the big 12 tournament? And if it's, if it's 17, if they win three of their last five and they can win a couple more, that gives them 19, I'd prefer to see them get to 20, but we'll just have to see. I mean, it, there's just there's so many different ways of looking at it, but I can tell you right now, Tech is not on the bracketology bubble going into the weekend from the, the ones that I've seen at ESPN and CBS. So they're not there yet, but a few more wins could get them on the bubble. Yeah, uh, it certainly looks like that's the case. Now, when you look around what else happened in this league uh, this week, There was a lot of drama with TCU. Mike Miles, he said that he's not playing. There were reports that he would play against Iowa State. He did not in that game, but apparently he is set to uh, play this weekend. Uh, As TCU is a team that's struggling as of late without him, they got Oklahoma State. No better time than bringing them back for that game on Saturday afternoon. So uh, this TCU team, they're now 6-7 and in conference play. They've faded a bit. How badly do they need him back, and what does this mean for this team going forward? They need him back badly. Um, they're averaging about six, six and a half points per game less without him than with him. Um, as we talked about last week, they, they miss his closing ability. He's the one guy on the team that, to me, can close the deal offensively when they really need a basket. And I think he can, you know, depending upon how what kind of shape he's in, if he plays on Saturday, Um, he can make a big difference for them. Just being on the floor, he can make a big difference for them because he's got a gravitational pull from a defensive standpoint. You have to account for him. And, you know, with him on the floor, that opens things up for Damian Baugh. It opens things up for Emmanuel Miller, guys who have, you know, kind of been a a little bit inconsistent the past few games. Um, If they they can get Eddie Lampkin back on the floor more consistently, that would help them too. And and they need the help right now because right now they're the seven seed. If the tournament started today, they would be the seven seed in Kansas City, and they would have to play Texas Tech. And the way Tech is playing and the way they're playing right now, that wouldn't be a gimme game for TCU. I mean, I I think they're solidly in the field no matter what happens moving forward. But I I don't think they want to play that you know that that seven ten game on Wednesday night 
and Oklahoma State would be a prime opportunity for them to start kind of digging their way out because Oklahoma State's one game ahead of them, and right now Oklahoma State would be the sixth seed, no worse than the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. When you're looking around uh, this league, I mean, the hottest team, maybe the hottest team in the country nobody's talking about is the Baylor Bears. They've won 9 of 10. Uh, overall, they've won, what, uh Trying to think, they started off league play 0-3, so they're 9-1 and in the last 10 uh, Big 12 games as well. So this team yep. is on fire right now. There's a three-way tie atop the conference standings. What has started to click for Baylor the last several weeks? Uh, I think it's all about their guards. And it's, you know, when the, I think the expectation for this team coming into the season was that, you know, because Flagler and Cryer had all played together for two, three years and because you know, George was this highly touted prospect that it was all going to come together and everything was going to be just perfect. And obviously those first three games in league play, it just, it wasn't that way. You know, teams did a good job of defending them, did a good job of taking the three away from them. Uh, I think, you know, what's happened now during this win streak is, you know, you, you really have one guard that really comes up big each night. Flagler had a big game against TCU. Uh, Cryer had a big game against West Virginia uh, earlier in the week. George has had his big games and they do enough playing off of one another to make somebody's life a little bit easier. They've kind of figured out how they can work together as a a trio to make life a little bit easier for each other. Mm -hmm. And they're unselfish enough to where they know when, you know, like the other night when LJ Cryer got hot, get him the ball, get him the ball, let him shoot it because he had eight threes against West Virginia. But I think the other thing that they've done and this is a credit to Scott Drew. You know, a few years ago, he transitioned away completely from his 1-3-1 or his 1-1-3 zone defense and went to a man-to-man defense. This year, he's brought that zone back in spots, and he's not using it as a way to make teams pass it. He's using it as a way to make his defense more aggressive, to trap and create turnovers. And it's really kind of thrown teams off when he's used it. He's not using it like a lot of the time. He's using it strategic points in the game to make things happen. And he's got a really good feel for when to throw that zone at teams and when to get his guys trapping players up top to try to create turnovers. And that's really helped them create more offense. So do you, does it feel to you, I mean, I don't even want to say this. We're on a collision course. Kansas-Baylor, they're playing on Saturday. Huge game. If you were looking at two of those three teams right now, I mean, how would you handicap Kansas-Baylor and Texas as of right now? Well, I think... It's interesting because Texas has to play Kansas and Baylor one more time. Mm-hmm. Baylor plays Kansas one more time. They play Texas one more time. Um, it, you know, they're all going to play each other at least one more time, which is kind of great. They're going to kind of sort it out themselves. Right now, I kind of feel like Baylor is. I think the Baylor-Kansas game is probably going to determine who has the number one seed in Kansas City, even though Texas has to play both of those teams again. And they play both of those teams, I believe, at home. Mm-hmm. You know, this game between Kansas and Baylor, they're both trending up at the right direction at the right time. They're both very similar. They don't have tremendous size inside. They play through their outside players. Uh, they like to run the floor. I almost feel like it's going to be one of those first one to eighty kind of games. I mean, there could be a lot of offense on Saturday, even with even with the good defense that both these teams play. I think it could be an eighty-five, eighty-four kind of game, and I think the winner 
gets the leg up and the winner probably ends up getting the number one seed in Kansas City, even with the road ahead for both of these teams, even though they both still got to play Texas again. I just feel like they're the two teams that are kind of trending up right now. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. And, you know, all of these teams are going to kind of have their lulls in the schedule. I mean, Baylor's just happened to come at the very beginning of the season. But now we've quietly yeah. seen after a little bit of a rough patch, you know, Kansas lost three in a row, and now they've won five of their past six games. So this is going to happen in this league. And the, the the really the big thing to me, Matthew, is I think hitting a rough patch is good for a team in a long college basketball season because as long as it hits at the right time, it can be valuable in March. And let's be honest, March is what matters. And I don't think coaches mind having lulls. So what is Kansas's lull from late or mid-January mean for them as they've ripped off now three straight victories? Well, I think it means that, you know, Bill Self's gotten to trust his bench a little bit more. And, you know, we talk a lot about depth and we talk a lot about bench play. When you get to this point in the season, coaches usually have about eight guys they trust. Yeah. And their starters are going to play close to 30 minutes. That's just kind of the way it is in this conference. So what you're hoping for is that the three or four guys you bring off the bench can give you 10 targeted minutes. And I mean, like, Give me points, give me rebounds, give me defense. Don't come back with an empty box score sheet. You know, give me something while you're on the floor. Give me something efficient when you're on the floor. Their bench wasn't very efficient uh, during that three-game losing streak. In fact, that bench was almost non-existent. I think they recalibrated things with the players that they're using off the bench and got them to understand, I don't need you to go in and score 10 points in five minutes. I need you to be efficient. Give me good defense. Give me a few points. Give me a couple rebounds. And I think the players have, have responded to that. And it's kind of taken a little bit of the pressure off of starters like Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick and Kevin McCuller, who now understand that, you know, they're not going to be playing 35, 36 minutes anymore. They're going to be playing like 31, 32 minutes because these guys can give us something, uh, you know, to you know, give them a couple of extra minutes on the bench. So I think the big thing for them is they've kind of learned how to target how they're using their bench and get efficient minutes out of them when they weren't doing that a month ago. Yeah. Um, when you look elsewhere around this league, um, Iowa State got the win over TCU. Are we feeling better about Iowa State, or do we sit here and say, well, they beat a TCU team without Mike Miles. They had lost 4-5 or five until that game middle of the week. Uh, what should we be feeling right now about the Cyclones? Well, I feel better about them after Wednesday night. I mean, that that's – that's the team. That's the identity. That, that's what T.J. Alfelberger was talking about after they lost to Oklahoma State when they didn't play to their identity. They played to their identity on Wednesday night, regardless of whether Mike Miles or Eddie Lampkin was in the, in the lineup. I think they would have won that game. It just wouldn't have been a 10-11 you know, point win. It would have been like a 2-3 or three point win. Um, the way that um, you know, Aljaz Koontz has come back, he finally has his basketball legs under him. You could kind of see it against Oklahoma State, but you saw it in full against TCU. And he makes a, a huge difference for them because being the stretch four that he is, he forces defenses to come out and get him at the three-point line. He can penetrate and drive. He can pass. He helps them space the floor better. Uh, it's something they didn't have when he was hurt for the first month of conference play. And they made it work because they – they became a little bit more interior-driven with Oshuni. They relied a little bit more on their three-point shooting. But with him back, it allows them to kind of run the offense they want to run. They want to be spaced out. They want to be able to have players have the room to drive. They want to be able to use the three-point shot strategically. And they want to be able to rely on that defense. And, and that's what you saw more of on Wednesday night, more of that Iowa State identity. 
Last thing, Matthew, best game of this weekend. Uh, easy to say Baylor at Kansas, but we've got four <laughs> other games. Tech at West Virginia, Iowa State at K-State, Oklahoma State at TCU, Oklahoma at Texas. I Give me outside of Baylor, Kansas, what's the most intriguing game this weekend? Mm, there are a lot of intriguing games because you're, you're thinking about, you know, teams trying to position themselves for Kansas City. I'll take Texas Tech and West Virginia because it's in Morgantown. West Virginia has played well at home of late. In fact, they've been a great home team all season. They're 11-3 and at uh, WVU Coliseum. Tech obviously desperately needs a win. Um, they need every win they can get at this point. West Virginia is not exactly desperate for a win, but uh, they need it too. But Texas Tech has only won one true road game this year. I feel like that game could be a really interesting game because both teams need it. You've got one team at home that really plays well at home. You've got one team on the road that really doesn't play well on the road. And I just kind of have a hunch that because these two teams are fairly similar, it could be a really good game down the stretch. We'll be watching. He's Matthew Poston, our lead basketball writer. You're the man, Matthew. Thanks for being here. Hey, no problem. Great stuff as always with our guy Matthew Postens on the show. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is how you find us covering the Big 12 Conference. I'm with him, but just to be different, I'm not going to pick Baylor at Kansas. You know what's a great game to me this weekend? I cannot wait to see what happens between Oklahoma State and TCU. I want to see Mike Miles come back. I want to see this Oklahoma State defense try to defend him. That is where they are at their absolute best. That's what I want to see. If I'm just picking a game that's going to be different, I I would have gone with Matthew. Baylor, Kansas, obviously, for obvious reasons. But an underrated game this weekend is very much Texas Tech at West Virginia. If Tech wins that game, they suddenly have turned their season around unofficially because then they would have won three straight. They're suddenly in the mix, 4-10 and um, in league play, 15 wins overall. Suddenly you're saying watch out for Texas Tech and the conversation around Mark Adams dramatically changes, right? That's a big deal. So that's one of those things I'm looking at and saying, I, that's awesome. But if I'm taking those aside, the other one to me is if he truly does come back, seeing Mike Miles back in action for TCU, knowing how much this team has struggled without him, they've lost four in a row, and trying to, as Matthew said, they're in the tournament, I believe, unless this thing completely falls off the rails and they lose out or something wild like that. Even then, I'm not convinced they're necessarily out. But uh, that's going to be the fun one to keep an eye on and what it means for both teams. I mean, both these teams defensively are two of the best defensive teams in the Big 12. Oklahoma State and TCU are both in the top three when it comes to points allowed per game. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma State has the best defensive field goal percentage. Um, TCU's in the top half of the Big 12 as well. So I, this is one of those games where it could be a slugfest. You know, you're looking at like 60 to 58 or something along those lines. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then, like, this is the great thing about the Big 12, though, right? Oklahoma-Kansas intriguing. Sooners pull off a huge upset this week, obviously, as we know, beating Kansas State convincingly. Can they do the same thing on the road against number 6 Texas? I, I don't like their odds of doing it, but, hey, if they're hitting on all cylinders, they beat in Alabama. And then last but not least, you got a top 20 matchup, K-State and Iowa State. Farmageddon, baby. I know some of you hate that phrase. I love Farmageddon. I, I just, I love the name. I don't know. 
K-State fans, Iowa State fans, tell me if you hate it. But I like it. I like Farmageddon. I like the nickname for that game. And that game is between two teams that have been kind of up and down as of late. I know that Iowa State got back on track here this week against TCU, but it was once again without Mike Miles. K-State has been struggling mightily as of late. We know that. Uh, We know what they've gone through here the last couple of weeks, losing four of their past five games. So which one of them gets back on track? If Iowa State wins, they're suddenly, you know, right in the mix with the top four teams in the country or top four teams in the conference, sitting at nine and five. And Kansas State, if they win, uh, they keep themselves in the conversation and prove an eight and six. So it's just, it's gosh, this league is so good. I'm Pete Mundo on heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks for being here. Hey, if you like the show, do me a solid for the next 30 seconds. Leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And if you want, and then hit the subscribe button. And then if you want, we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. You send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And uh, we'll get you hooked up. That's all you got to do. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.